Good morning, church. All right, you're responsive. I like that. I like that. I'm going to need that. All right. Appreciate that, brother. I'll give you that $5 after service that we had talked about. In all seriousness, as you get to learn or, or meet Amber and myself and we get to learn more about each other, you'll see that we believe that serving God can be fun. And not just a little bit of fun, but a whole lot of fun. And so when we're here at church, if you're agreeing with anything that's going on, if I say something that you really like, you can say amen. That, that's allowed. It's not just allowed, it's encouraged, all right? You got to remember, I was a kids pastor for 15 years. They talked back whether I wanted them to or not. And when it gets quiet and too quiet, I get awkward. You don't want me awkward. You'll see that. That'll happen. Don't worry. There'll be plenty of stories. But you don't want awkward Ben. All right. So, so please engage. All right. I want you guys involved. And um, yeah, it's going to be a, a good fun time this morning. I want to start out by just saying thank you. You guys are absolutely incredible. A year and a half ago, Amber put, Amber, God put on Amber in my heart that we were going to leave New York, Long Island, New York, a place where we had come to, to love the people there. They were more than just friends. They had become family. And God put on our heart that we were coming back to Michigan. We didn't know where, when, why, how. We didn't know any of that kind of stuff. And we were so sad because we were leaving such a special group of people, people that had become our family. And yet... We trusted God, and he brought us to a place where literally Amber and myself, we just, we like pinch ourselves like, how can this be real? And you guys have been so welcoming and so loving. Last week when Pastor Brooks was doing the installation, he is so funny. I feel like I've known that man for years. I've had a couple conversations with him on the phone. I had a meal with him one time, and I feel literally like I've known him my entire life. And he grabs me by the face like a dad would or something, right? And he's super close. I could smell his coffee breath. It was great. And, um, and he says, do you want to go up and say anything? And I'm like, I don't have any words right now. We were so overwhelmed. We have been. We continue to be. Uh, you guys have just, like I said, welcomed us with open arms. And it just been so loving and caring. And um, we're so grateful for that. As you can imagine, the transition has been tough in different areas, um, but you guys have made it so much easier, and I just want to say thank you, and I'm so appreciative for that. Um, we're going to start a series. We're going to start a series today, and the series that we're going to start today is Foundations. So generally, when you're in a church, you'll hear once or maybe a couple times a year some vision Sundays. The pastor's going to share some vision that that he or she feels like God has put on their heart for that church at that time. Well, we're still getting to know you, right? What I didn't want to do is come to Northville and go, hey, this is what I've done other places, and we're going to implement that here. I want to hear the voice of God. I want to know what God has for NCA. I want to know what God's plans are for this place. I want to get to know you. I want to get to know the culture. I want to get to know the area. So, those Vision Sundays will come, but this series, Foundations, is somewhat of a vision series, and it's a, a bigger, broader vision, but I want you to hear our hearts, what's important to us, what's important to God, what's important according to the Bible. 
So for the next seven, eight weeks, we are going to discuss some foundational things, some foundational truths in our lives, some things that I just feel like we need to get squared away right off the bat. How many know when the foundation is good, the building has a better chance of being good, right? So we want our foundations to be where God wants them to be. So what I want to open with today is the foundation that it's really where our relationship with God begins and ends, and that is at the cross. That is what Jesus did for us, the fact that he loves us so much that he went to the cross. So I want to read a few verses found in Matthew chapter 16, verse 13 through 18. And this is a question that Jesus is asking his disciples, but I believe this is a question that Jesus is asking all of us today. Matthew 16, verse 13 through 18, it goes like this. Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others say Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The same question that Jesus posed to his disciples, he is asking each and every one of us individually today, who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? And the answer to that question is an indicator of where you are at with your relationship with him. Do you say he is the son of God, your savior, your redeemer? Do you say he's a good idea? Do you say he's one way to get to heaven? Or do you say he is the only way? And he is my firm foundation, and he is my cornerstone on which my life and my faith are built upon. So that is what we are going to talk about today. My sermon title this morning is Jesus, our shepherd. Jesus, our shepherd. I'm going to pray one more time. Jesus, we love you so much. And God, I am so grateful for this opportunity that we have, Lord, to be in this place. God, we want to hear from you. God, I pray that not one word of mine would leave my mouth this morning. God, I pray that your anointing would fall in this place. God, I pray that each and every person that entered this place would leave here closer to you, knowing you more. God, I pray that your presence would be tangible in this place. It would just be hard to describe what you are doing, but all the same, we know that it is you that are doing it. God, speak to us. I pray that each and every person in this room, each and every person who, are watching, who is watching online, would hear the voice of your Holy Spirit this morning. We would know you better than we did yesterday. We love you so much in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. 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 We open your Bibles to John chapter 10. John chapter 10. If you're taking notes, will you write down my first point this morning? The good shepherd. The good shepherd. I'm a big advocate for notes. I know it's not for everybody, but uh, you'll he hear me say that a lot, how important I think notes are because you know why? I forget things all the time. So I have to take notes. Uh, so this morning, if you are taking notes, my first point is the good shepherd. I don't know about you, but I am so thankful that Jesus spoke in parables and gave us illustrations. Anybody else thankful for that? 
Otherwise, reading the Bible could feel like a manual or a dictionary or encyclopedia. But Jesus had this way of breaking things down and making it palatable for you and for me so that we can learn. Jesus leads this church, Northville Christian, as the good shepherd. He always has and he always will. That truth will not change. I've been trusted as an under-shepherd. Jesus is the head of the church. We have been trusted as senior pastors to lead this church. But I want you to know that Jesus is the head of this church. We are constantly going to seek the face of God. We are constantly going to seek what God is saying, listening to what God wants, not just what we want. I don't want good ideas. I want God ideas to reign in this place. Amen? We're going to read several verses in John 10, but this, this analogy here is Jesus talking about how he is our good shepherd, and then there's a conversation about sheep, and we are those sheep. So let's start in verse 1. It says this, Very truly I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the, enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all of his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus said again, very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I've come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of the sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice. And there shall be one flock and one shepherd. What I want to do is I want to look over those 16 verses and just pull out some incredible things about Jesus being our good shepherd. The first thing I want to look at is found in verse 3. The sheep know his voice. Church, that is important. The sheep know his voice. I don't know if you realize this, but your relationship with God does not just last for two hours on a Sunday morning. Amen. We need to be very familiar with our shepherd's voice. How do we become familiar with our shepherd's voice? By spending time with him, right? If I call my wife's cell phone and another woman picks up, I'm going to know that, right? Because I recognize my wife's voice. Someone else picks up, I'm going to go, whoa, 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 who has my wife's phone? That actually happened one time we were in a mall up in Syracuse. 
and I'm trying to get a hold of my wife, trying to get a hold of my wife. I can't get a hold of her. It's a huge mall, five stories, I think. There was a lot of incredible things in this mall, and I cannot get a hold of my wife. And finally, I call her, and a guy answers. And I go, huh, she finally wised up and left me for someone else. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. She finally figured out, figured out that, you know, I married way up. But <clears throat> anyway, I went, who's this? <laughs> he goes, oh, sorry, this is so-and-so. My mom found your wife's phone in the bathroom. I went, oh, okay, that all makes sense why well, I couldn't get older. But anyway, I know her voice. I'm familiar with her voice. We need to be familiar with the voice of our God, the voice of the Holy Spirit. How do we become familiar? By hearing it. By hearing it. By spending time with God. By spending time in His Word. If something comes from someone else, if there's another voice, we need to be able to recognize it and go, ah, 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 that's not right. That's not what I should be listening to. How do we get to know someone? Well, we spend time with them, right? I think back to uh, my wife and I dating. We've been married, it'll be 16 years on Friday. We'll be married 16 years. And uh, we dated for four or five years before that, right? So I know a lot about my wife. And she knows a lot about me. She probably knows more than what she even wants to know about me. But I feel like I can anticipate my wife's thoughts and actions. How many husbands in here, you're like, I don't even know you know, what she's going to say, but I know what she's going to say, right? You know where she's going with it. You know her drink order when you get to Starbucks and things of that nature because you're very familiar. We should have that familiarity with our Lord. The next thing I want to point out is in verse 4. The good shepherd leads from the front. The good shepherd leads from the front, and that's very important. Why? The shepherd's able to see any danger that's coming. The shepherd is able to say, come on, follow me. I will show you the way. I was thinking this week about the difference between like a shepherd and a cowboy, right? When you think about a cowboy and they're trying to lead cattle, there's usually a dog involved and there's a lot of screaming and hey, 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 go, no, 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 no. And they're trying to corral them the right way. But Jesus is so good. He says, come on, follow me and I will lead you. Verse 5 talks about when a stranger comes, the sheep run away. Now this kind of ties into verse 3 a little bit. When a stranger comes, the sheep run away. Church, this is very important. We are living in a day and age where the gospel is being compromised a lot, right? It's easy to just say, oh, you know what? Yeah, no, you believe what you want to believe, and you got your truth, and I got my truth. That's a popular thing right now, right? But I know my Bible says that there's only one way to the Father, and that's through the Son, right? So there are things, church, that we should not be compromising. When we are close to the shepherd and we recognize his voice, and then a stranger's voice comes in and says, hey, this is what I think, we should be able to pick that up and go, that's not my shepherd. That's not my shepherd. That's not what the Word of God says. I, 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 wait a minute. I know the difference, and we need to run away the same way that the sheep ran away from the stranger. Matthew 7:15 says, "Beware of false prophets who come to you in shepherd in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves." When we hear something that does not line up with the word of God, it needs to be foreign to us. 
It needs to be like you call your wife's phone and someone else picks up and you go, whoa, wait a minute. That is not right. The last thing I want to point out is in verse 11. The good shepherd lays his life down for his sheep. The good shepherd lays his life down for his sheep. We're going to spend a lot of time on this point here in a few minutes. Before we get to that, I want to go over Psalm 23. Now we're going to read through Psalm 23 together, and it's in the New King James Version. That's just the way that I memorized this verse in Royal Rangers, right? We got any Royal Rangers in here? Come on. My mom finally kicked me out when I was 15 and said, you've got to go to youth group or I'd still be in Royal Rangers. Um, but this is how I memorized this verse, so we're going to read it in the New King James Version today. And what's interesting about this is um, just hearing David's perspective on his relationship with God, right? If you go back a chapter, chapter 22, it starts out, God, why have you forsaken me? And then here in 23, we get to read about his relationship with his shepherd. And I think that is so very important. So we're going to read this together. Verse 1 says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Isn't that powerful? Such an incredible portion of scripture. And I want to just spend a few minutes doing what we did in John 10, I just want to pick out a few things here that are interesting about, again, David's relationship with God and how he looks to God as his shepherd. The first thing that jumped out at me is, I shall not want. I shall not want. What a mind-blowing thought in today's day and age, right? I shall not want. Talk about a pandemic. Want is a pandemic right now. It's an epidemic. Everybody, everywhere, want, 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 right? Keeping up with the Joneses, you got to have the nicer house, the nicer car, the newest iPhone. What are we on, like iPhone 27 at this point, right? It's like, I want, I want, I want. And David points out, I shall not want. Why? Because he is the provider. God is our provider. Jesus talks about how the sparrows aren't worried about things. Why should we be? Church, if I could just share with you a testimony really quick, and I know I'm, I'm referring to this a lot, but this was just so incredible for my wife and I. Over the last year, year and a half, when God called us to go, we had no idea where we were going. We're a family of six. If it were just Amber and myself, we could be like, oh, yeah, well, we'll figure it out. Worst case, I'll work here, I'll work there. We'll figure it out. But now I'm not just responsible for me or not just responsible for my, my wife, but four beautiful kids. And God called us out. All right, we're going. We had conversations with people. We pretty much turned in our resignation before we knew what the next step was. And I'm not bragging about our faith. What I'm doing is I'm just talking about the goodness of God. Because although I could not see where my foot was going to land, like Indiana Jones, you guys ever seen that, right? 
I had no idea what that next step was. But God had taken us through several little things in the past, and my faith had grown. It's kind of like a muscle when you work out, right? Not that I know. But when you work out and that those muscles begin to build and you go up in weight, it's the same with your faith. So you're trusting him in the small things, and then you get to the place where you're like, <laughs> I don't know where our next paycheck's coming from. But I trust in the goodness of God and that he will be our provider. And listen, let me tell you, the fact that we are here today is a miracle and a blessing, and it is beyond what we ever thought was possible. But how good is our God? David said, I shall not want. Verse 2, when I memorized this growing up, I don't know why, but just, I guess maybe the word picture here, I'm focusing on green, the part where it talks about green pastures. But when I read it this week, you know where my mind went to? are the words, he makes me. He makes me. That's interesting, right? I would love just to lay down in green pastures, take a nap. We got two under two. I could use a nap, right? So that's very enticing. But, but David says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. David submits his will to the good shepherd. That's tough. That is tough to trust. Now, there's a lot of talk of shepherds and sheep today, and we are referred to as sheep, and, and that's a little bit offensive because sheep are very, very dumb, right? <laughs> but it's fair because I look back at my life and I go, oh, I am a sheep. I did make that decision. What was I thinking? When I used to read about the Israelites and all the poor decisions that they would make as Moses was leading them, I'm like, are you kidding me? What's wrong with these people? And God's like holding up a mirror. He's like, look, it's you, right? <laughs> we make some horrible decisions, but our good shepherd says, I know what's best for you. I know what's best for you. You need to lie down. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He knows what I need better than I do. He leads me beside still waters. I don't know about you, but there's sometimes in life where I feel like all the waters around me are just rough. Everywhere I look, it feels like, man, there's a storm here and a storm there. Uh, I've talked to Pastor Chuck about this. I enjoy fishing. It's, a, it's okay. I like the camaraderie that takes place on a boat when you're on a boat with a bunch of guys, right? But I'd rather be on land, just to be totally honest with you. One of my good friends on Long Island was a big fisherman. And I went shark fishing with him. We fished for striped bass. We're fishing for fish that would eat keeper-sized fish here, okay? I'm just, that's just what it is. And so the last time that I went out with him, we had this uh, ministry called our outdoorsman ministry because Long Island, we're right in between New York City and the Hamptons, all right? That's where we're at. And so I went out there going, I love outdoorsy stuff. I love to hunt. I love to hike. I, I want to be outside. There's something that happens in my soul when I'm outside. And I found a small group of people that like to do the same kind of stuff. And so we called it our outdoorsman's group. Our last night going out, we had this perfect storm come up, all right? We had a storm that morning. On a Thursday morning, we had a storm roll in. The tide was going out. And the way that the wind was coming in just made for this 
crazy situation, all right? So what, ha- what happens is the boat is in a bay, and you have to pass through what is called an inlet, which is just this little space on a, like a barrier island, and we're going through. So we reach this inlet, and I look up, and all I see are these huge 12-foot waves coming at us. And I'm with my friend Randy, and I say to Randy, no fish is worth that. <laughs> no fish. No, thank you. And now it's the time of year out there, spring and fall, or when all these huge bass are running, and I mean, it's crazy. So he's like, no, 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 we'll be fine. I'm like, ugh. So generally when we come out, we usually have to go east or west, and we can go out and around all this crazy, these crazy waves that are breaking over this sandbar. The waves were just straight across. So we start out going west, and he goes, ah, I don't like it, and he spins around. And we start going east, and he sees this little break, and he goes, I can make that. So he guns it. Well, in the time that he guns it, we're probably a couple hundred yards away, here comes these waves. And we had reached the point of no return. Like, we were past the point of no return. There's no way we're turning this thing around. Because if you turn it sideways, you're going over. Like, we're going over these waves. Now, one thing that you need to realize is when they talk about the height of the waves, there's something called a trough that goes under. So if it's 12 feet up, it's 12 feet down. So we're talking 20 plus feet, right? Randy guns it. We're going over these waves. We are landing so hard, Pastor Chuck, we're losing fishing rods. They're shooting out of the holders. I am praying. I got closer to Jesus that night than I'd ever been before. I think I got saved all over again. I was not comfortable. I was scared. I'm writing Amber my last text ever. Please don't marry so-and-so. No, 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 I'm just joking. I was scared out of my mind because we are in these crazy waters. So when I'm reading this portion of scripture, he leads me beside still waters. There's nothing worse than being on a boat in a storm. It's happened to me probably three or four times. It is scary. And David is saying, we're along these still waters where we we can find refreshing. Verse 3 says, he restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. When he's talking about restoring his soul, think of like a healing, a salve or an ointment that heals David's soul. I don't know about you, but the last few years have been tough for a lot of people. And there's been times where I've just said, God, I need you to touch my soul. My innermost being, the things, words and feelings that I can't even begin to describe. He knows and he restores your soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. He's going to lead you the right way. He's going to take you where you need to go. The right way. For his name's sake, what does that mean? It brings glory to God when we do what we're supposed to do. When we live the way that we're supposed to live. Verse 4 talks about the valley of the shadow of death. What's interesting is he uses the word through. I walk through. Not I peek over the edge and see the valley of the shadow of death. As I walk through Church, I don't know where you're at, and I don't know what you're going through in life, but you might find yourself today in the middle 
of the valley of the shadow of death. Maybe there's drama at home. Maybe there's drama at work. Maybe your marriage is not where it should be. Maybe your relationship with your kids is not where it should be. Whatever it is, maybe there's a healing that needs to take place and you just say, I am in such a dark place right now. David is reminding us that even though we walk through, he's with us. He is there to comfort us. He is there for protection. Now what's interesting is in verse 5, David switches from referring to God as a shepherd, and now all of a sudden he is a, a host. He is a host at this meal. Now the picture that David is giving us here is something that would happen when, when two kings would come to an agreement on something, they would have this meal. And they would sit down, they would make this covenant. And the one that would host would be the king that was more powerful or more influential. So that is, <clears throat> as David's talking here, that is what he's referring to. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. When he says you anoint my head with oil, that is God treating us as his honored guest. How cool is that? My cup runs over. This is a representation of blessings. So it doesn't just say he fills my cup. My cup runs over. We read about Malachi 3, that if we live the way we're supposed to live and do what we're supposed to do, God wants to pour out so many blessings, we can't even catch them all. How good is our God? How good is our shepherd? Verse 6, goodness and mercy will follow me. What's interesting here is how that's translated into English, follow me, probably isn't the best translation when we just hear the word follow, we're just like, oh yeah, like, like a puppy dog follows you around. No, no, no. Pursue is probably a better word to use. And the word that's used would be used when they were talking about like an enemy or, or, or two, there's a battle and, and you're pursuing your foe. So there's an aggressive following, a relentless pursuit of God's goodness and his mercy. Then it talks about being in the presence of God for the rest of our lives. That is incredible. That is our shepherd. That is our God. That is our Savior that we are talking about. And that is what he is offering to us. To be his honored guest. To take care of us. To be there for us no matter where we go and what we do. Our God is a good God. He is a good shepherd. My, my last and final point is this. Our shepherd laid down his life for his sheep. In Isaiah 53, 5, we read, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds, we are healed. That is about our shepherd. That verse is talking about Jesus. Now, I don't know every religion in the world. I haven't read up on all of them, but I'm familiar with many of them. And I don't know of any of them that talks about their God, the one that they worship, leaving paradise, leaving heaven, the place that we're all wanting to end up, leaving that place to come and take a punishment meant for us. I don't read about that anywhere else about any other religion. That's how good our God is. I think, I think
think we're living in crazy times. Right? Can we agree on that? And I think this world is wild right now. And I think there's a lot of hurt and broken people. When I was younger, I don't, I don't know why, but it was, well, I guess I do know why, I was just young, but I could never understand why people would do and say the craziest, the craziest things. And as I get older, I realize it's because they truly don't understand their worth and their value in their creator's eyes. If we truly understood what Jesus felt about us, truly, it would blow our minds. There's a lot of hurts and a lot of insecurities out there in this world. And when someone like that comes into power or starts making decisions or doing whatever, that's only going to lead to a bad place. I have this illustration that I want to share. Did everybody get a baseball card when they came in? If you did not get one, can you raise your hand? We just want to make sure everybody gets one. Would the usher's mind just putting a baseball card in everybody's hands? Now, I don't know if you realize this, but these are all Detroit tar- Tigers. Did you guys see that? I already saw some of you guys making trades. That's fine. You can do that. I grabbed myself a Cecil Fielder in honor of my dad. He's his favorite Tiger ever. A few years ago, I felt like God gave me something. He gave me an illustration that just helped, helped me. And I know Pastor Brooks was really into the illustrations, right? That's so cool. And then when I, you know, came, I'm like, man, that's, God, you're just so awesome. You're just so good. But I felt like God dropped something in my heart. And I want to tell you just a, a quick story. And I'm hoping this is something that will change the way that you think or feel maybe. So when I was a kid, I really enjoyed collecting baseball cards. We got any collectors in the house? You enjoy it? Yeah. I mean, I collect them a lot. We would go to card shows, the local junior high there in Clio Middle School, I think. They would have one. I would go. My grandpa would take me. My dad would take me to the local mall. We'd go. And I always, any little bit of money I had, I'm buying packs of baseball cards, football cards, basketball cards. Nolan Ryan was my favorite player. I had over a hundred Nolan Ryan cards. I went to Bible college. My brothers got a hold of them. I have no idea what happened to any of them. Lost them all. But I loved baseball cards. And I'd go to my buddy's house and I knew who his favorite players were and he knew who mine were. And we'd go and, you know, I'd be like, I'd get this Jose Canseco so I can trade it to him, maybe get a Nolan Ryan. Things like that. And we would buy these books that looked something like this. And it was called a Beckett. And what you could do is you would buy this at the, the local store and look up how much a card was worth. And so when we're trading, I'm like, all right, listen, man, this card's worth two bucks. Don't give me worth something worth two cents, all right? This needs to be a fair trade. And then I get a card that I really, really wanted. And I'd jump on my bike and I'd ride home as fast as I could. And I'd say, Dad, look. Look at the card that I have. It's worth $5. $5. And he'd say, how do you know it's worth $5? And I'd say, this book says so. And as you get to know my dad, this, he's just the sweetest guy ever. But he kind of popped my balloon a little bit, all right? 
let the wind out of my sails a little bit. And he'd say, son, that card is only worth what someone would give you for it. Do you have someone that's willing to give you $5 for that card? Well, no, not right now, but I could. The book says that I can. If you don't have someone offering you $5, that card, we don't know what it's worth. It's only worth what someone is willing to pay for that card. And when you think about that in context of our good shepherd, our Father in heaven gave his one and only son for you and for me. That's what you're worth. That is what you're worth. That's who we are following. That is our good shepherd that's leading us and guiding us and protecting us and walking us through the valley of the shadow of death. He did that for you and for me. He went to a cross and paid a price that I could not pay because to him, I was worth it. And to him, you were worth it. That's what he was willing to pay. That is our good shepherd. That is our foundation. He is our cornerstone that my life is built upon and that this church will be built upon. The goodness of God. The goodness of our shepherd. Will you stand with me this morning, church? One thing that you're going to learn about me is that I enjoy an altar call. I enjoy a response time. So this is the way we're going to do it. I'm going to invite the pastors and their wives forward. And they're going to be up here to pray for you if you would like that. We're going to go back into a song, and the intention of that is for us just to take some time. I've been a part of church services before where we go in and we hear a good word, and we're like, that's awesome. All right, see you later. Go enjoy lunch. I want to take what God is speaking to us today in this place and just kind of let it settle in our hearts for a few minutes. So this is going to be a two-part altar call. And if you're in this place and maybe... You say, Ben, you talked about the goodness of God and our good shepherd. And to be honest with you, I haven't been living like he's my shepherd. The amazing thing about that is that's a simple decision, that's a simple prayer, and things can begin to change. Or maybe you're in this room and you're like, Pastor Ben, I never even heard the name of Jesus before. But what you talked about, something within me is telling me that what you're saying is true and that I need to make him the good shepherd of my life. Church, that's a decision. We started off talking about how Jesus said, who do you say that I am? I don't care if you've been serving Jesus for 70 years or you haven't yet, he is saying to you today, who do you say that I am? Someday we will stand before him face to face and he's gonna say, who did you say that I am? So I'm gonna invite the pastors forward at this time.
and I'm gonna pray. And when I say amen, Pastor James is gonna go into a song. And if you're in one of those two places where you say, Pastor Ben, I wanna start that relationship with Jesus, I wanna encourage you to come and find one of the pastors, their wives, have a conversation and they wanna pray with you. Or maybe you're in this place and you say, Ben, I know what I need to do. I need to come down here and I just need to spend time with my good shepherd. We gotta have a conversation. We gotta do some work here because there's some things that maybe I haven't been doing right. I wanna encourage you to take this time and respond to the good shepherd. Jesus, we love you. And I'm so thankful, God, that you are a good shepherd and that you love us so much and that you've done the incredible in our lives. Lord, I pray that as you're beginning to work on the hearts of people in this room right now, Lord, that they would submit to you, submit to your will, submit to your calling that you have on their lives. God, for the person right now, within the sound of my voice or who's watching online, who is contemplating, do I really wanna make this decision? God, I pray that you give them the courage, give them the guts to jump in, to accept your goodness, to accept the gift of eternal life that you are offering. God, for the person that's in this room who maybe just hasn't been living the way that you've called us to live, maybe their relationship with you is right now only Sunday mornings from 10 to 12, and you're trying to get a hold of their hearts, God, I pray that they would just yield to you. Jesus, speak to us in this place. In Jesus' name. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. If my life laid down, surrender now, I give you everything. Your goodness is running after, it's running after running after me with my life laid down surrender now I give you